for me, having partners helped because I knew I didn't have to do it all myself. This is the Finding Adventure podcast, episode number 11. This episode is about a big mindset shift. We're gonna be talking about going from an individual contributor to being the owner of a business. And that requires you to think bigger than yourself. Because of course you're not qualified to start your company. You don't have experience in the industry. Maybe you're not a coder. You're not a business person. Maybe you don't have the money. And all of these things might be true and they do limit the speed or way in which you start the company, but they're challenges that you can overcome if you really want to. The whole point of starting a company is to build something that grows beyond the capabilities of the founder. And that's why organizations can do more than one person can do alone. So as a founder, you're just one piece of the puzzle and your job is to find all the other pieces and put them together in a way that gets the job done. Those other pieces might include co-founders or employees, free software, contractors, investors, the world's full of people and resources that you can use to scale your capabilities. In this episode, you're gonna hear from Maggie Bayless. Maggie had no business starting Zing Train 25 years ago. She wasn't qualified, but she did it anyway. And so you're gonna hear the story about how she did that. Maggie is the founder and managing director at Zing Train, which is one of the Zingerman's community of businesses. Everybody in Ann Arbor knows about Zingerman's. And Maggie's been there from the very start. She's a thoughtful, humble leader that's built an incredible legacy of innovation and impact. I spoke with Maggie at the Zing Train offices in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, almost everything in my life I felt overwhelmed about doing before doing it. I guess I should, I could start by saying it never in my wildest dreams occurred to me that I would start a company. And in fact, I, I, I am sure I said more than once, oh, I'm definitely not somebody who could start a company. I'm someone that wants to. I'm really good at delivering what someone else has asked me to do. I got in, I've known Ari and Paul since before the deli opened. And so in 1982, I was unpaid friends and family helping, you know, get the doors open. And then watching them start this business at the same time I was getting my MBA at University of Michigan. So that was an interesting, just, you know, go to class, get the theoretical, but very much at that point, big business perspective. And then coming in on Saturdays and helping my friends get their business off the ground. And they, from the beginning, really wanted to create a great experience, not only for customers, but also for their employees. And so after I graduated and I went to work for some other companies, I found that I kept looking for that organization that was going to that cared about my experience as an employee, and I kept not finding it. And first I thought it was because I worked for a really big company, and then I worked for a small company, but the, the founders were always fighting with each other. And so, but I felt like I was getting um, a lot of experience in different businesses, and that was really valuable because I was kind of watching people run companies. And I would advise anybody to do that. I mean, I just think one of the things that will make, that helped me uh, decide that I could run my own company was I watched a lot of other people make mistakes. And I, I really ended up thinking, oh, I can make mistakes. If they're making mistakes, I can make mistakes too. <laughs> why, why not? And then when I had an opportunity to come back and partner with Ari and Paul, that just felt like a really, for me, having partners helped because I knew I didn't have to do it all myself. So I came to them with the idea of Zing Train, creating a training business that would both improve the training within 
the existing Zingerman's businesses, but then share with the outside what had worked. But I, knowing that they had started a business, even though it was a delicatessen and that really wasn't anything like a training business, gave me, I, I just thought like, well, they know how to do this stuff. So I was really doing it, but I did have their support. And so you're, you're absolutely right in saying that, you know, you don't have to know it all. I also was really lucky. And I guess maybe it's not just lucky. It was Ari, who was, you know, one of my partners, really encouraged me to reach out to other people that did training and consulting in the area. And when we did the first Zing Train seminar, we invited them to come and ask them, would they come for free? But it wasn't really free because we wanted feedback from them. And I've just found people really willing to share their expertise um, and and provide feedback. And I get asked to do that now. And I really try and, and pay back. I mean, I can't really, the people that helped me, they don't need my help. <laughs> but I look for other people. I think everybody can relate to that imposter syndrome. So I really appreciate Maggie sharing the stories about uncertainty in the early days of starting Zingermans and Zing Train. The funny thing is, those feelings don't really ever fully go away. So in the next section, Maggie talks about visioning, which is one of the great tools for overcoming imposter syndrome and getting you unstuck and moving toward the things that you want to accomplish by articulating what you want to yourself and others and not focusing so much on how you're going to do it in the short term. You free up the space and creative energy to actually go out and do it. Another thing that I was totally never thought I could do that came up early on when we were developing the vision for Zing Train, Ari and Paul both pushed me to kind of get out of my comfort zone in terms of what I should expect in 10 years or not. I think we were doing a five-year vision. You know, what what would success look like? And one of the things that Ari said is, I think you should put in there that you have, you're writing regularly for a national publication on training. I was like, but why would, why would anyone want me to write about training? I don't know anything about that. He goes, well, you do, because you're like developing it and you're doing it here. And I go, I know, but not in a national level. And he goes, I just, you know, it's a vision. Just put it in there. So I did. And um, what that meant was when a few years after that, Gourmet Retailer Magazine approached me about writing. They had a column called Staff Training. And the person who'd been writing it for a long time was stepping down, and they asked me would I take it over. I mean, of course, I thought, why are you asking me? I don't know anything about that. You know, the classic imposter syndrome. But in fact, I was like, oh, right, but this was in the vision. And so this is something I want to do. I'm just going to say yes. And I said to them, you know, I really want feedback. And um, and this was a case, too, where Ari was already writing um, a column for a different trade publication. So going to him and asking him for advice on kind of how to go about this. And one of the things he suggested was to just be really open to say, you know, I'm really, please give me feedback. What do you like? What do you not? I'm quite open to your feedback. And it's the truth is I wrote that column for 13 years, I think. And I don't think they ever gave me any feedback. I mean, I just, but they kept publishing my columns with minimal editing. So I just finally decided that, and, and then I would get feedback from readers. So I just finally decided, okay, I guess it's good enough. 
Hey, Maggie, thanks for taking the time to share those stories and encouraging people to pursue things that they might not feel qualified for. I think everybody would agree that over the last 25 years, you've been better than just good enough. You've done a really incredible job and built a business that touches a lot of lives here in Ann Arbor. So thank you for that too. I wanna to end with one more example of a great resource that allows students and founders and startups to think and act way bigger than they could on their own. This one related to autonomous vehicles, which is an industry that requires a lot of infrastructure and access to that infrastructure can be really hard and overwhelming to get, especially for a small company or a student. And here at the University of Michigan, we have this incredible resource called M-City. And there's a class and an accelerator program that's based there, which gives access access to incredible resources to the startups that apply and then the, to the students that work at those startups. So here's a little bit more information about that program. Tech Lab at M-City is all about giving students a foot in the door in the uh, autonomous vehicle and connected vehicle industry. We leverage uh, unique university resources such as access to M-City and we bring in startups that provide technical projects to student teams and we also bring in industry partners to help with this entire ecosystem that we're developing that really creates an accelerated timeline for students to develop demonstrate and deploy technologies that can actually become products within a span of just two semesters. Typically we have six teams that are startups that are going to be sponsoring the program and teams of about four students per actual technical project. So if you're a founder working on an autonomous vehicle startup, here's a chance to plug into a, an existing program with a test track, student labor, advisors from the industry, and industry partners who can potentially become customers someday. It's just one more example of thinking bigger than yourself and understanding that you don't have to have everything figured out and all the resources to start a business. The next episode is called Get the Legal Basics Right. And in that episode, I asked one of the best startup lawyers in Ann Arbor to tell me, what advice would you give someone that you met at a cocktail party who said they were starting a company if you had just five minutes to give them some advice? It's probably the episode that's gonna save you the most headaches. So I hope you'll give it a listen.